1: All right, it is officially week four, starting with tonight's Bengals-Jaguars game, which we'll get into that. We'll continue to unpack the fallout from the Brady-Belichick divorce and look ahead to Sunday night. All that good stuff. We got plenty of time to get to that. But, Michael, the most pressing thing on my mind and my heart today is this Ellen Pompeo-Denzel Washington Uh Man, Now, you may know, once upon a time... I see your shirt. I, I never missed an episode of Grey's Anatomy. I, I am an original yeah, I, Grey's Anatomy viewer. Okay. Um, I love the show. I forgot when I stopped watching it and for what reason I stopped watching it, but I've always loved the show. Had a massive crush on Katherine Heigl. Just absolutely okay. love the show. Didn't miss an episode, but yesterday I'm going to need Ellen Pompeo to miss me in general with the nerve. It's not just the audacity. It's the accuracy that I question. But in case, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, who may have missed it, she was trending on Twitter last night. Here's what Ellen Pompeo, the lead actress on Grey's Anatomy, she plays Meredith Grey. Here's what she had to say about an episode that Denzel Washington directed and... They had creative differences that turned into something of a shouting match, according to Pompeo. Here it is.
2: So I get pushed up in the wheelchair and he's in a chair and we're sitting across from each other. And I didn't really want to talk to this actor or see this actor before we did this scene. So I didn't have much interaction with him at all. And then he apologized to me, but he was doing it really softly. He made this choice to speak very softly. And I was pissed that I had to sit there and listen to this apology. And he wasn't looking at me in the eye. Again, we love actors who make choices, right? And I yelled at him. And I was like, look at me. When you apologize, look at me. And that wasn't in the dialogue. And Denzel went ham on my ass. He was like, I'm the director. Don't you tell him what to do? And I was like, listen, motherfucker. This is my show. This is my set. Who are you telling? Like, you barely know where the bathroom is. And like, you know, I have the utmost respect for him as an actor, as a director, as everything, but like, yo, we went at it one day.
1: You went at it with Denzel Washington? All right, see, as we both know, there are three sides to every story. Yours, mine, and the truth. I need some more versions of this story I need more confirmation, I need more perspectives, okay? I need some more details, Yeah. because let's let's, let's get a couple of things straight, Ellen Pompeo, who, again, I was a fan of, it, it, I'm still a fan of her work, but got some questions about her after yesterday. I don't care what the name of the show is, I don't care if you're the lead actress, it ain't I don't care how show. many awards the show has won, how long it's been on. Right. The moment Denzel Washington walks on the set,
3: that's his set, <laughs> right, right.
1: The moment Denzel Washington says action, uh, that's his show. Right. And the right, idea right. that you going back and forth, or you going at it with Denzel Washington, I didn't know how that ended. I need to hear from Denzel going at it with Denzel. I feel like she held an L. No matter how it. she wants Let's to go tell the story, she held the L. You didn't win that argument.
3: <laughs> we don't believe you. You need more people, <laughs> Alan Pompeo. Lots of more people. We don't believe you. I, okay, look, and the thing is, I don't believe. I, I wish it. she had. I wish she had told me. I wish she had told me that she was planning to share this story. All right, she's a homegirl. She's from Boston. She's from the Boston area. Uh, she used to go to a lot of Celtics games. I see her sitting courtside uh, next to whoever the coach was, whether it was Doc Rivers or Brad Stevens on a bench. You know, just cool. Just cool. But no, no, no. A couple things. One, and I love Boston. But everybody in Boston knows somebody. Everybody in Boston is a pretty good storyteller and I'm not gonna say everybody but a lot of people in Boston tell those kind of stories where the ending is and then mm-hmm. I tell I told him or I told her to kiss my ass like no 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 right. no no no. Right. it didn't go down like that so she is coming from that tradition of oh yeah I went toe-to-toe with Denzel not only did I tell him it was my show I dropped a, right. We talked about this last week. Yeah. Those got the primer. I dropped the MF on. I dropped the MF on Denzel. Right? No, you didn't. But you a- okay? But, but, you, you, but you maybe she did. You did what he maybe said? Maybe she
1: did what he said. Exactly. Oh, I yeah, know what, what he, he said. I know. Right. I know what he said. You know what he said. You know what he said. Right? You think you could do this shit to me? <laughs> Shoot program. Twenty-three hour lockdown. I'm the man up in this piece. I run stuff here. You just live here. That's what he said. You just work here. I run shit here. That's what he said. There ain't no way in hell she won an argument with Denzel Washington. He was probably like, Denzel, how many many, many awards have you won? They build museums because of me. He's like, it would probably behoove you not to mess around on this thing. I mean, he probably went off on her. If you fumble he my football, he you will run did. a mile. I mean, he probably went smooth off on her and then he, and then he probably ended all it like if, when she first went at him, when she first went at him, you know what he characters. said? Even though, it's a, even though it's a woman, you know what he said when she first went at him? My man. <laughs> Just like <that. laughs> my man. That's that. That's how you probably uh, started it. There's no way she got the better of Denzel Washington. The argument about anything, listen, especially when it comes to drama. And I respect Ellen Pompeo's work, but you coming at the goat. Uh, you coming at the king. You best not miss.
3: Yeah, y'all. I, I didn't give y'all notice on this. At some point on this show, we got to find Ari Spears doing Denzel. Okay, that, I, I think that's <laughs> the best guy I've heard. Yeah with a Denzel impersonation absolutely if if not Denzel himself but here's the other thing here's the other other part of the story that just trips me out it's it's uh, it's instructive Uh, it's funny it's a little scary it's all those things this is something that happened five years ago so five years after the fact when it comes to Denzel Twitter especially black Twitter says that's too soon or (laughs) <laughs> it's always to, don't share it. Don't no. do not yes. share oh, a story. Poor unless, PR
1: advice. Run that by your publicist. Unless
3: Denzel is centered in a positive unless way. Unless he's right Denzel there. Denzel is not centered. Correct. Or, in a or unless way. it ends
1: with, and I learned my lesson to never go at the king, to never, never go at the goat. Yeah. No, no. Cause it was like, she telling this story and she laughing and everybody on Twitter and everybody listening like, uh-huh. So you thought yeah, it was a good we,
3: idea oh, to
1: go at it with Denzel okay. and then share it in Andy. such a way that makes you the heroine that makes it sound like you talk down <laughs> to Denzel. You thought that was—you thought we were going to, like, applaud you for this? Like, no, 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 no. no, no.
3: I, I, I misspoke. I'm going to withdraw this. I misspoke. You know, in a sports context, I've said many times that uh, Doc Rivers, Glenn Doc Rivers, is our 44th and a half president in the United States. No, no, no. It's Denzel. It's Denzel is Denzel only 44 Denzel was like he was 43 and a half. He was 42 and a half Denzel has been a president. He's had a he forget it. Step aside. FDR Denzel just totally changed the game. He's been elected if and elected like four five six times. Okay,
1: if, but if, if aliens you, come if Thanos right. came and said take me to your leader, we take him to Denzel. Denzel. That's what you say. Yeah,
3: I'm gonna tell you this is this is the reality of Denzel, you know, how we both Michael we how we love training day and we want to talk about. Else. Yes. Yeah. Is this script? Did you just make this yeah. up? Yeah, I, okay. You know, talk about being in the script. I'm sure yeah, 75% of training day. There's no script for that. It's just Denzel oh, just It's out off the top of his head, but Dude, how many times day, do we love say that federally effed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. My niece. Old mm-hmm. My oldest, my oldest niece, Krista saw Training Krista. Day. Training Krista saw Training Day in the theater. She saw it with my mother, and my mother reports and Krista confirms that uh in the scene, uh, I hope it's not a spoiler, that movie came out what, what 19 years ago? Was it 2002 somewhere around there? Um uh, so Denzel gets killed in the end. I think it because 2,000 Alonzo yeah. gets killed me. So Krista's crying in the theater and my mother said, why are you crying? She said they killed Denzel <laughs> right. <laughs> no, they so
1: even though that's he's a bad who guy. Denzel is even though
3: he's a bad guy. Alan Pompeo, but check it out though. You just got to know cried,
1: you gotta I know. cried two nights ago. Coincidentally, Michael and I've seen this movie uh Training Day came out 2001. I've seen this movie a bunch of times. Um but I it's it's prominent, you know, how it's something that's featured prominently on Netflix. You you, mm-hmm. you just be like, "Oh, it's kind of like when a song comes on the radio like, "Oh, okay, I'm going to go ahead and watch this even though I own this movie." If, and Training Day is one of the got- right? Safe House with Ryan Reynolds. Denzel mm-hmm. as a phenomenal an actor as he is, whether it's Safe House, whether it's The Equalizer, whether it's The Book of Eli, Denzel, as an action star, got incredible. Is incredible with those hands. He is incredible when right. it comes to hand-to-hand combat. Okay, I mean, there's nothing the man can't do. Whether it's coach, whether it's rogue, dirty cop, whether it's you know lawyer, it doesn't matter. What whatever he does is is incredible. I mean, there are times, don't you ever there are say anything myself,
3: against against my mother? Don't you ever say anything? Oh well,
1: the definitive the definitive <laughs> role do? of his career is definitely Woo! Malcolm X. The best biopic of all time. Hey, Archie. Spike hey, Lee's hey, Malcolm Michael. X. Michael. I mean
3: Archie. Argue with somebody you're else about
1: that. You're slipping, Archie. Archie, you're slipping. Red, you had the numbers. There you go.
3: I mean Red. it just icon. His love. His career is on the line.
1: You better not be lying. You're a phenomenal actress. You've done incredible work. Denzel an icon. You don't ever cuss at an icon, and definitely if you do, save that for like, like Michael said, save that for like a private party. Like that, got, that's got to get out third and fourth hand. You can't be coming out here talking like you was talking down to Denzel Washington. All right, I, I gotta, I gotta hear his side of it. I wanna know what he said, cause we, we know he put her yeah. in her place. And this isn't, a, this is not a gender thing. For the record, just, just to be clear, this is not a gender thing. Is that about putting a woman no, in her no. place for anybody who may misconstrue no. what I'm saying? This is about a superior phrase, rephrase and the director rephrase. So no, no, I meant rephrase, it. Just like so I said, it. Give... I'm just making sure people understand the context that okay. I mean it. I meant, okay, put, a right, director right. telling the actor I I'm, I'm directing. That's why I'm in this chair. Okay, that's why I'm in this chair.
3: Jake, Jake come back here. <laughs> Jake, give me my money. Give me that money. Jake Give me that money, Jake.
1: Anyway, all right, we had I had to get that off my chest. I've been frustrated about that since last night.
3: Jake, you go come back here. You go give me that money. All right, all right, you go give me that money, (laughs) Jake. Come on, Jake. (laughs) All right,
1: let's go ahead and hit this break. Uh, We got company on the other side. We have we have got company on the other side. So excited to talk about this dude. I'll talk to this dude. It's just another example of us getting old. We covered this young man's dad. I co- I, both of us covered Asante Samuel when he came into the league as a, I believe a fourth round pick of the Patriots. If my memory, serves.
3: Fourth round pick.
1: Um, fourth Central round Ford. pick. Now his son out of Florida State second round pick of the Chargers is defensive rookie of the month as of today and he gonna come kick it with us come kick it with us on brother from another. All right, let's go ahead and take this break right quick so we could be on time.
3: For Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft, that's that's the untold story. That still ain't quite right. That relationship ain't been right for a while. But the reason Kraft deals with it is because Belichick has won so overwhelmingly. And this is something to watch, Mike. If the Patriots string together another seven and ten season following last year's seven especially and nine especially after, after the money is
1: shelled out in the off season. Them, all that money they spent is off season.
3: Bill Belichick is not is not some secure. Can't touch him. Would never move on from him coach based on this relationship.
1: So yesterday we that that conversation that point you just made yesterday. uh, I want to run that back because we were having a larger conversation about, you know, what's at stake, you know, reputation, legacy, so on and so forth all the storylines that we spent all week unpacking. we will continue to unpack going into Sunday night's game. But um, I feel like we kind of, oh, by we, I mean me, just kind of gloss past that. You know what I mean? Just kind of, you know, like that was that was no small thing you threw out there about Belichick's status. And we've talked about how badly Belichick wants to beat Brady, how badly Brady wants to beat Belichick. And we've talked about craft within the context of his relationship specifically with Belichick, but how he's you know, the third leg of this tripod, um, if you will, but we haven't really talked about his emotions. And so as I thought about this game, and I'm thinking about Bob Kraft watching his son, Tom Brady break the all-time passing record in another uniform at Gillette Stadium. If Tom Brady has his way with the Patriots uh, and the Patriots start the season one and three and and this season goes poorly. I wanted to I want to follow up with you on that. Are you saying are you suggesting that Belichick might be on something of a hot seat?
3: No, well, what I'm saying is I wouldn't say it that way. I would say that based on those six Super Bowl titles. You think that he can have the job in perpetuity, right? That he could go the way of Don Shula uh, who, who who didn't even get to a Super Bowl. Well, got to one Super Bowl with Dan Marino. That's it Uh, really didn't take advantage of Dan Marino's prime. So he was allowed to walk away. Uh, uh, Chuck, Chuck Noll, who went over the 1980s. uh, Technically the 1979 Super Bowl was in 1980, but you know, you get my point. Uh, in 1980s and you know 1980 season going forward, to his last season, uh, he he never even uh, got to another Super Bowl. So those four championships in six years kind of protected him. So you would think that Bill Belichick would be in that same category. And I'm telling you, he's not. Based on his relationship with Robert Kraft, which is which is not bad necessarily, but Kraft, I mean, you know, Seth Wickersham has it. it they good. Kraft coming out of coming out of Aspen says, hey, my my head coach is the biggest effing a hole in my life and I got to leave here and I got to deal with him. So Bill Belichick that didn't happen just yesterday. That's been happening the entire time. But the problem is or the, the issue is he was winning. So you going go touch him. Right. So am I going to deal with you? You go, you go, you go act like this and lose Nah, playboy. That ain't going down like that. So I'm just telling you that he is not protected space. This is not. Uh, well, let me reverse Not protected it. Let me reverse land. It to you we then. can't build on it.
1: Yeah. Let me reverse it with you then. I'm just just spitballing. Is there a world in which Belichick is fed up and Belichick doesn't want to yes, because I mean, yes. It, yes. In it's better to sure. be feared the excerpts and the book. If Belichick is annoyed with can be annoyed with crafts meddling as well. Could he walk away from the Patriots? Maybe not after this year, but you know, eventually, which is also okay. something that few yes people no. would have imagined.
3: Yes. Or no. Okay. Is there, is there a world in which he's fed up? Definitely. Uh, Robert Kraft. See, I see it, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think Bill Belichick would call it meddling. Robert Kraft would call it being a, uh, a good owner who is, who is in touch with everything going on in the organization. Right. So you mentioned yesterday, right. you, you mentioned to Bucky Jones and to Bucky Jones. Uh, before, before Bill Belichick took over, Pete Carroll was the head coach. And there were lots of reports, some of them exaggerated. Uh, Dan Shaughnessy used to call him Press Corner, Press Corner Craft, because uh, <laughs> apparently he went up to Syracuse and was working out to Bucky Jones. And like, okay, <laughs> you know, he had him out there with a whistle. And like, he just went, because Shaughnessy can't stand uh, Bob Kraft and the feeling is mutual. So he went too far and, and, and they don't like each other. But that was the perception of Kraft before Belichick got there. Belichick got there. And the idea is he's turning over the whole operation to Bill Belichick, which is mostly true. But don't think that Robert Kraft doesn't find him find his way into a coach's meeting. Doesn't find his way into an end of the season evals meeting. And don't think he's sitting there quietly and he's not piping up and saying, no, wait a minute. You said this about the left guard. You said he's foot. Well, we're paying him a lot of money. Why? Why does this guy get so many holding penalties on him? I remember when <laughs> Damian Woody was having his issues with snapping, snapping shotgun issues. snapping. Remember? They shotgun used to switch. Snap.
1: Yeah, I remember, I remember They remember Mike Compton. Used Woody to was a center. Shotgun snap.
3: Yeah, yeah. Woody was a center on conventional snaps. They go to the shotgun. He become the guard. Mike Compton become the center. Right. So in a meeting Bob Kraft said, wait a minute. Y'all just said a lot of nice things about Damian Woody and how he's tough and uh, he's really good, but he can't shotgun snap. And nobody mentioned that. Why not? So he's that guy. And, and okay. I, I guess when you're winning championships, you can live right. with it. When you're not yeah. winning, when you're not. maybe craft becomes a little bit more verbal, and the coaching staff becomes a little bit more agitated about this voice mm. from the guy who signs the checks. From this voice coming in. Well, so, and he signed a lot. Yeah. And he signed a lot. As of I said, his it no, it's been
1: fast. It's been fascinating to, to to read and get gain more insight into a relationship that cannot be described as dysfunctional uh, because it functioned quite well, <laughs> um, but uh, there's a lot of tension, a lot of creative tension, a lot of organizational tension that they have worked through right, right. and succeeded through. That's fair. And it, as much fun as it has been to look back. The thing that worries me about Sunday night in terms of just as a as a football fan the thing that I that dawned on me as I thought about it is I wonder if we're missing the moment uh, And not to get too as existential or philosophical here, but you know, oh, I like it. The Go build-up ahead. has been but the buildup has been all about um, Brady and honestly, the build-up is building off of a long running debate about who's more responsible. I know it pisses Bob Kraft off that he's not in it, but who's more responsible Brady or Belichick and Brady certainly went a long way toward quote unquote answering that with his performance in Tampa last year and so far this year, right? So naturally the build-up to this return on Sunday night is about a clash or reunion of you know, a, a divorced couple You know, or a breakup that ended prematurely. Belichick thought he was done, Brady wasn't done, and he goes and flourishes in Tampa, and Belichick struggles, and now he gets to be reminded of his mistake. When actually, Michael, the thing I was thinking about last night is not only is this the biggest regular season game that I can remember in terms of storylines, not record, it's early in the season, but not stakes, but storylines and legacy. Michael, it's not only the greatest quarterback in history facing off against the greatest coach in history, It's the two chess grandmasters going (laughs) at it. Yeah, Like back in the day, it used to be Belichick versus Manning, right? And Belichick often got the better of Mm -hmm. that. But it was Manning's cerebral mind versus the greatest defensive mind of all time. Now it's the greatest defensive mind of all time game planning for maybe the smartest quarterback of all time. A quarterback who has said for years, I have the answers to the tests. Many of those yes. answers you learn from the other guy. I don't even want to call it right. teacher versus student because Brady love, is as much of a, of a teacher yes, as Belichick yes. is a teacher. The, yes. the X's and O's chess match, I'm practically foaming and salivating at the mouth to see how Belichick is going to defend a quarterback that he knows so well. How, Bel- how Brady is going to attack a defense that he knows so well. So we, we're, we're, we're having fun. Looking into the past and airing the dirty laundry. When this is a matchup, unlike this is the stuff dreams are made of. This is if 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 Wilk could have played Shaq, you know, if if uh, if if LeBron could have gone up against Magic, if uh, you know, if if, if Tyson could have fought Joe Lewis in his prime. I mean, this is Belichick versus. No, Brady. no, I think even you had a sentence. Itself, no,
3: no. Even I don't think that does itself it. itself
1: is something that feels weird to utter. Uttered.
3: No, no, I, I don't think I don't think it's, it's it's Wilt versus Shaq. You 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 nailed it before when you said it would be as oh, it, it would be like Phil. Michael Jordan. Jordan versus Phil because it's like top topic, you know, game recognizes game, but not because we've seen that before. We've well, but seen no, but
1: but the, Wilt, but the reason we but saw the reason, Wilt versus Kareem. the reason is not that. but it, the reason is not that though, I mean in terms of the relationship and the heights that they reached its Jordan going back to play Phil the next year after leaving Chicago. If, if Phil had stayed and Jordan went to the Wizards the next year and won a championship with the Wizards, that that's the equivalent in terms of, of, of a relationship and a storyline. But Michael, this is different because we often make the mistake and quarterbacks will remind us of it. We often make the mistake of saying it's Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes or Manning versus Brady, right. When neither of them is actually defending the other. Okay. In this case, this is Bill Belichick game planning like he is in direct opposition with right. Tom Brady. This is a why, meeting of the
3: minds, right? It's unprecedented. Well, that's why I say that's why I don't like the athlete versus athlete because even though it's a meeting of the minds, you know, Belichick is not really he's doing something here, but he's he's not going to come well, out well, of the yeah, game. he's Not literally
1: he, on the field. He, no.
3: No, no, no pain. There'd be no pain involved,
1: but but, but he's you know, scheming. They're they're, scheme, they're they're trying to one up. They're trying to outsmart the other one. And how many you know this? You know how many meetings be. have they been in together? How many football late night game planning strategy right. conversations have they had together? This is uh, it, Plato. Oh, how, about this? how about this? How about this? How about Plato and Aristotle? I probably mix it up that, my Greek philosophers,
3: it. but that, that's, exact, you know, right. that's it. That's okay. it. That's exactly yeah. it. And it's that iron. It's the iron sharpens the iron. But okay, or but is it Socrates.
1: And it's Aristotle. not just.
3: It's not just irony. No, no, please. Socrates and right. Aristotle, uh, or maybe I
1: did. Okay, maybe sorry. Socrates.
3: Okay, all right, Socrates. Okay, fine. Whatever. Been a while, but I like it. I, I, I like the reach. I like the reach. It's, it, I'm right there with you. It's iron. We know iron sharpens iron, but we say that from people who are at a high level and they haven't necessarily spent a lot of time together. They come together for a conference and then they they they, they animate one another. But no, in this case, that iron has been sharpened over years. Brady helping Belichick and Belichick helping Brady. Brady, like, I've heard Bill Belichick talk about two players, two players where he was so excited that he just had to. Okay, I'm going to pick up a piece of paper and I'm going to start drawing on this paper. Oh, can I guess? Can I guess?
1: Can I guess? You know the other guy?
3: Yeah. Ed Reed. Got it. Ed Reed's one. No. No. Not Ed Reed's. Two guys. One of them great. Taylor? You know the other one? No. Jason Taylor. He, he coached never. him. He coached him. You know who it is. He coached him in New York. Who? Coach LT? Oh, oh, LT.
1: Of course. Of course. LT. Yeah, of course. Of course. LT. Yeah, LT. I was gonna get to LT. But remember, he had a certain nickname way... that he had for Jason Taylor. That's why I said Jason Taylor, because he had a certain nickname, yeah. which we cannot repeat.
3: But he was so <laughs> he's so excited yeah. talking about LT yeah. and hike. High- how LT helped him, just yeah. how LT would see things, and you he never seen anything like this before. The innovation involved with LT, the uh, the uh, sometimes the unintentional innovation, and he. I remember him talking about Brady. He was like, oh man, you know how uh, Belichick talks. He's very profane. It's entertaining. But he's a he's a, he's mm-hmm. a profane mm-hmm. guy. He's like this effing guy. He's guys. This guy's so right. effing smart. Tom Brady. Right. Look what he did. This is the defense. And most guys look at the defense like this, but Tom Brady could do this, and he'd go on and on. And he would learn from what Brady saw. And Brady, uh, in turn, once said to me, man, Coach Belichick is so smart. He always called him Coach, never calls him Bill. Coach Belichick is so smart, isn't he? And he just makes me see things that I haven't seen before. So having that come together, we've seen a little snippet of it already, a snippet of it. It's, it was Mike Vrabel in the playoffs going against Bill Belichick. Uh, in January mm-hmm. of 2020, and and yeah, what the way the layup game frustrated process. him. He frustrated yeah. him because he was the, doing,
1: that's Bill that's Belichick. The, that's I'm, the lead to the book. Yeah. That's the that's the prologue to the book. Yeah. Is is that is that scene? Yeah, when he when he when he gave him a i Yeah,
3: right. I've I've sat in your meetings, Bill. I sat in your meetings for eight years. I learned this stuff from you, and but Brady will take the the knowledge of Mike Brabel and then take his own skill set and his experience yeah. away from Belichick. A- and it's just going to be amazing. It really is going to be something to see. And I'd say the only uh, other NFL equi- equivalent maybe was Bill Walsh versus Paul Brown. Uh, they were on the same staff and Walsh went off. He wanted the job. Yeah. He wanted the job in Cincinnati. Paul Brown didn't give it to him. He gave it to Sam Weiss. Uh, no, he gave it to but Forrest Craig. He was upset about it.
1: So no, we, we've had we've had clashes of Titans before we've had clashes of Titans, but rarely are we see. Have we seen a clash of Titans? That was a partnership for that long and to that extent in terms and that successful never. I mean, this is it's, it's, it's going to be something to see. It, it, it's it's incredible. Right. We getting caught up in the drama. I just don't want to lose sight of the fun. The drama is sexy. That's a good point. You know, the baggage is sexy, but it's going to be so much fun.
4: When you left up there, you met with Robert Kraft. Do you still know why Belichick didn't meet with you in person, why he took the phone call instead? Uh, all those things are super personal. Um, you know, we had a great relationship. Um, I think everything was handled the right way. You know, We handled everything as gracefully as we could. Um, it was an amazing, like I said, time and Um, it was handled, it was handled perfectly. I think everyone understood, you know, where we're at, the people involved in the situation and, um, you know, things worked out for the best for, for all of us. And we're all trying to do the best we could do now. It's what happens in life. You know, you go through these experiences, you don't know where life's going to lead. And I think the only thing I know how to do is give it all I can, you know, in every day moment and the people who really bet on me, you know, and, and I want to do really well for them. And, um, Jason and Bruce, I think them coming into my life and, you know, saying, hey, we really want you to be here. It's been an amazing thing for me. So um, I'm just excited to go up there and, and try to beat a really great football team. All right, it's Tom Brady. Tom
3: Brady talking about this game that Mike and Rodney Harrison, I can't believe that today is only Thursday. I'm exhausted already. Are we still have a few days before the game is actually played uh, at Gillette Stadium. We've been talking about it since the schedule came out in the spring. You, are, you heard me mention it. Former Patriot, Patriots Hall of Famer Rodney Harrison should be an NFL Hall of Famer. Check the stats now. Should be an NFL Hall of Famer uh, joins us today. So Rodney, when you look at this matchup, are we hyping it up too much? Or is there a chance that we're actually underselling the significance of this game from the perspective of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady.
5: Are you asking me, are we overhyping the game? Because we really haven't talked about the game. Like most people aren't. Right, but what I'm saying is most people haven't even really talked about the actual game. Everybody's so focused on the negative energy around it. And what I chose to do, and I made exactly, what I chose to do, Mike, is I said, I made a conscious decision as a former player, as a guy that respects Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I'm going to focus on the positive aspects of 20 years together. I've been married 18 years and I got a beautiful wife, but at the end of the day, I got on her nerves. She got on my nerve over 18 years. We've been together over a court, 25 years, and that's what happens in relationships. You're going to have disagreements, but Tom Brady has the utmost respect for Bill Belichick. How could you not he was the one that gave Tom Brady an opportunity. You never forget that for a guy to give you an opportunity. You never forget who gave you an opportunity who and who blessed you. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a great game, but we need to start focusing on talking more about the X's and O's aspect of it as opposed to all the negativity
1: that's, before you came on that's what we were talking about before before you joined us. We were just talking about the fact that this is two chess masters going at it this is the smartest quarterback ever versus the greatest defensive mind of all time. Like they know each other so well. How how is that going to manifest itself? Obviously Bill's not on the field physically defending Tom Brady, but how do you see that manifesting itself? And dare I ask? I don't know if there's a right answer to this question, Rodney. Does either one of them have the edge when it comes to one up in the other one or, or outsmarting the other one?
5: good question mike absolutely i think tom brady has the edge anytime you're a player and you're the player on tom's level and he's been there 20 years he knows everybody he knows the stadium inside and out when he comes back home he has the advantage because one thing about coach belichick he can make calls and adjustments but he can't directly impact the game and that's one thing that Tom Brady can do. He has the ball in his hands 100% of the time. The ball is going to be in his hands, so he has the ability to change the game, to dictate the course of the game, and we, we're going to see what happens, but yeah, Tom Brady definitely has the advantage because he's the one out there playing.
3: All right, he has the advantage, Brady, and I agree with you, Brady does, because he's on the field, and he's got, he's got better personnel, let's face it, the Buccaneers Superior are a better personnel. team than the Patriots, and significantly. But let me ask you this: If you are, if you were like your, uh, your your former teammate, Gerard Mayo, and you're on the coaching staff, and you're and you're trying to help Bill Belichick defend Tom Brady, I know we always say you know pressure up the middle, but is there a certain coverage would you have safeties? Like what would you do just to give yourself a good opportunity, knowing that he's going to adjust to whatever you throw at him?
5: Well, it's not one thing you can do, you know, and people always talk about, well, we're not going di- to try to disguise because Tom Brady's seen everything. You still have to disguise. I mean, yeah, he's seen everything, but when we used to practice against Tom, we still used to, dis- um, to um, disguise and fool him and trick him at times. It's all part of the deal. Whether you're playing man coverage, zone coverage, pressure is number one. Obviously, pressure. Tom's doing a great job of moving inside, around the pocket. He's doing that. I think the second thing is being physical with his wide receivers. You see guys not dro- dropping passes and guys not holding on to things. Being physical with Rob Gronkowski and, and um, you know all these guys as they come off the line of scrimmage. And I think the third thing that Coach Belichick is going to um, really emphasize is tackling. The Patriots haven't tackled. I hear Tom and some other guys in in their interviews talking about how great the Patriots' defense is. Where's the greatness at? I don't see it. I don't see anything great when I watch this defense. I see Matthew Judon, who's a good player, and he's probably right now their best defensive player, but he's not playing great, and I thought he would have more of an impact. I think he needs to be able to step up and have more of an impact on his defense if they want to compete
1: against Tampa Bay. So as much as this game is, going all come down to execution as they all do, Rodney, uh, we know the reason why there's so much energy negative or positive around it is because of the emotion involved and nobody played with more emotion than you did. Uh, and I think and going back to why we've been so focused on the dirty laundry, if you will, or the details of the breakup, I just, just speculate here, Rodney. And you and I have talked about this before. And I talk about Michael all the time. Those of us who've never played at your level we're always looking for ways to relate and everybody can relate to being dumped or being left or yeah. being overlooked or, or being underestimated as out a human level, we can all relate to that. So having said that, one of the most, one of the highlights in this show's brief history in the year we've been doing this show was when you came on and you said, Tom Brady's a thug. All right. So I would <laughs> love to know from an emotional standpoint, all right, from an emotional yeah. standpoint, you heard Tom Brady a minute ago, you know, the man, What's he feeling? How how important is this to him? Belichick's a robot for the most part. He may be emotional in his own way, but Brady in particular, he's the guy that left whether he chose to leave or they didn't want him. however it went down. He's the guy that left. He's the guy that's coming home. How is he feeling as best as you could articulate
5: it? Well, I, I would just say this first and foremost, Tom is thinking about coming off that loss last week. And getting a victory that 's number one, number two is, yeah, he wants to beat the patriots, and he 's very familiar with everybody. He wants to not only beat the patriots he wants he, Tom is that type of dude, the type of mentality he has anytime he gets off off you know off the field he wants to basically own you that's that 's just how competitive he is and I went back in two thousand and seven and I watched um his name was Anthony, wasn't it? Anthony Smith that was talking smack to Tom Anthony Brady. Smith. And I think oh, from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Anthony Smith yeah. from the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers, and he was talking trash. And yeah. whether it's Ray Lewis, whether it's Tyron Matthew, whether it's Anthony. Um, Smith, the one we're talking about, if you get in Tom Brady's face, you challenge him. He's going to want to make you pay. And that's, that's how Tom is. Tom is just the most competitive guy. And yes, he's got a lot of raw emotions. He's got some bitterness. He's got some things that's inside of him that he wants to come out. And that's why he said to that Tampa media, like, Hey, those are my boys. But at the end of the day, I'm coming to kick their butt and they know how I am and how I'm going to feel once I'm on that field. So we'll see. But but, but, yeah, Mike, you're right.
1: No, I'm saying, fellas, Go this ahead. will never happen. But Rodney, you just got my imagination going. I would pay a lot of money to see Tom Brady talk trash to the Patriots sideline. he'll never do it. Uh. But I would, oh my God. Could you imagine if he was like looking at like staring down Bella after out that touchdown pass? That'll never happen, but it's 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 and, a, it's a let a me say this dream. too. Let yeah. me say this too, guys.
5: When you listen, no matter how much success Tom's had. He's always viewing himself as that six rounder. So when the Patriots didn't want him, and me and, and Tom and I, we relate because I was a fifth round draft choice, he's a six round draft choice. When somebody says they don't want you, that takes you in over mode. That takes you, it takes your mentality, it takes your confidence, it takes your motivation, it takes everything that you have in you to the next level. I know how much of a competitive guy Tom is, and trust me, Tom didn't like having to leave New England. He wanted, to, he, he initially probably wanted to stay. I believe he wanted to stay. But you're going to see a guy so focused and so honed in. Like During this week, he's really focused on the X's and O's and, and relating to his teammate. As he gets closer, you'll get those butterflies. He'll get that anxiety. But at the end of the day, he wants to prove to the guy that taught him over 20 years that he calls his mentor that he is a great quarterback and he should have never made the mistake of letting him go because... I oh, take wait. pride in that. Go ahead, Mike.
1: Well, no, no, I mean, that's, this is fascinating. Sorry to cut show. This is fascinating. I want to make sure we get to this because you people, I'm talking about world-class athletes that compete on the highest level, okay? It never ceases to amaze me how you guys can craft the narrative and reframe history to suit your competitive fire. And here's what I mean by that. I'm confused. Maybe both y'all can help me out. Did the Patriots not want him? Because everything I'm reading and hearing is that he was sick of Bill Belichick. Even the trainer was like, he's sick of him. He's treating him like a 20-year-old. Like a he wanted to leave as early as 2017. He wanted to go. Mike, but Mike, then he got Mike mad listen to me. Listen when to me, Belichick Mike, wouldn't see listen in to person. me.
5: <laughs>
1: Mike, listen to me.
5: If you're around Belichick for 20 years, I was around Belichick for six years and he got on my nerve at times. Like, I'm sure I got on his nerve. It's 20 years you're asking a guy to be around him, to communicate, to deal with the ups and downs of Belichick attitude. On Monday, we win a game by three touchdowns. We don't know if Belichick's going to come in in a good mood or if he's going to come in and he's miserable. That is something on your psyche. That is something that you have to deal with personality-wise, the ups and downs of your head coach. But you all know in the back of your mind that he wants to win. And that's the thing about Tom. Tom wants to win. Tom doesn't... At the end of the day, Tom wants to win and he wants to beat Belichick and he wants to prove to Belichick that he should have
1: never let him go. I was the same way, but that's what I'm saying. Let me go. or you mm -hmm. No, but I I hear you and I agree. I agree with everything you're saying, but but my my point is simply that the idea that Belichick let him go, even though Brady seemed to have had seen that that actually have worn on him and he was ready to move on. It's interesting that from a Brady perspective and from a competitor's perspective. He's like, oh, they let me go when he was tired of being there. You know what I mean? Mike, am I missing something? Mike talking to
5: you talking about a guy who's obsessed. You're talking about a guy who's obsessed with winning. You're talking about Tom Brady. So Tom Brady hit me up right after the season after the Super Bowl and was like, man, I said, you know, I'm I'm texting him like, okay, I'm look, I got to find some motivation. That's what we do when you accomplish everything that you've accomplished. Like Mm -hmm. Tom Brady, you got all the money in the world. You twist and you turn and you you try to create ways of motivating yourself. Yes,
3: right. Absolutely. You're hundred percent spot on Mike. Absolutely. Yes. And, but I think Mike, okay. You said, what are you missing? Mike, what are you missing? This is what you're missing. They made Tom Brady work for every contract that he got. So it's not like, Mm-hmm. And They went to him like Peyton Manning. You say, Oh, Peyton, we'll give you everything. Hey, whatever you want, we'll give you top dollar. Tom Brady, with his first contract, like his first big contract in 2005, it was, a little, it was tense. It was back and forth. And then he had to get into mm-hmm. a car accident in 2010 for them to give, <laughs> give another contract. And then at right. the end, he wanted Drew Brees' contract. You know, the, our colleague right. Drew Brees, he wanted like a two year deal. They wouldn't give it to him. So, again, yeah, you say, they didn't want him. That's what he's looking at. Hey, if you really want me, step up, give me the contract Correct. that I'm looking for. They wouldn't do it. But Rodney, you gotta tell us. When you uh, I I've I heard this story and I love it. I want I want the details. Give us the, the dirty details. I've heard that Brady used to get so pissed off at you in, in practice, used to intercept. Football from him and like run around the field. He chased you around the field one time. Like, give us the story. Is that real? Did that really happen? In, in, in the competitive battles you and Brady used to have. It
5: did. It happened in um, when we were in the Super Bowl down in Houston. We were playing in Houston and we were practicing, and it was a, t- a tense moment. And I re- I just remember picking him off. You know us. We used to always jar. I mean, Tom is one of those dudes that talks so much trash. But, you know, like, he met the wrong dude, because I'm going to talk trash, too. And I'm going to stand in your face every single day. I'm going to compete against you. Whatever it takes, that's what I want to do. And, you know, Tom, Tom is just a competitive dude. Man, he got mad because I intercepted him. I took it to the house. I started doing my little Deion Sanders high-stepping. And he gave me every cuss word that he could ever think of. He's chasing me around, yelling and screaming at me. And we didn't talk for two days. But he helped me win two Super Bowls, and that's my boy. So it's all love.
6: (laughs)
3: And listen, I know I know y'all got a segment on Sunday Night Football. I'm not going to ask for your prediction, but based on this conversation, you feel like the Patriots would really have to come up with something special to to be happy at the end of Sunday night, right?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think about it. If I'm Tampa Bay, I'm looking at Mac Jones like what a rookie quarterback in a game like this he's got so much that he has to worry about not only does he have to worry about the offense and the protection and all the plays and checks and adjustments he's got to worry about todd Bowles. not just the front four but all the different creative blitzes and that's the one thing that we see that teams are starting to do to mac jones they're starting to blitz him more and when you can blitz a a young player a rookie and you can get create turnovers and you can create mistakes Guess what? More defensive coordinators are going to see that. So that's one aspect of the game where I'll be paying close attention how Matt Jones actually deals with Todd Bowles and this blitz package that he's going to bring.
1: I actually want to put you on the spot before we go out because look, it's just us. You know, it's just the three of us. Just this fellow just kicking it. You know, amongst friends. <laughs> in your heart of hearts, Rodney Harrison, you're a Patriots Hall of Famer. Who are you pulling for? I'm pulling for the Patriots. Are you kidding me? And only thing, I'm, I'm, I'm always rooting for the
5: Patriots. Plain and simple, as, as a former player, as a guy that loves that place, I'm rooting for the Patriots. But at the end of the day, I'm rooting for my That's boy asking. Tom Brady to walk off that field healthy. That's all I want. I want him to play hard, and I want him to be healthy. Okay. That's what I'm, but I'm always rooting for my, my Patriots. Are you kidding me?
1: I didn't know that was a ridiculous question. I mean, you know, like in a divorce. No, it's a great question. I didn't know who got Rodney. I didn't know who got Rodney in a divorce. I don't know. I don't know if they got custody and you see him on the weekends. I don't know.
5: (laughs) (laughs) But Mike, let me just say this. Let me just say this. You know, yeah. with, with whatever I say, my, my alliance and my loyalty is always going to be, it's got to be to my fans. It's got to be to the audience. It ain't about Bill no and Tom. It's always being real to the audience, just like you guys do. You guys do a great job, and thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you guys. Oh, man, please. You're blessing us. You, Appreciate Ronnie. you, bro. Always. Appreciate it. Take always. care. We'll see you soon. You got a key.
1: Rodney got uh, a key.
3: Rodney just <laughs> come <laughs> in. <laughs> real, go quick, go real quick, real quick, before we go to want. break.
1: Real quick bit of housekeeping before we go to break. For those that are kind enough to join us live, uh, either on Peacock TV or Sirius XM Channel 211, uh, we mentioned, we teased that Asante Samuel was going to be joining the show. Uh, we got our wires crossed in terms of timing. We got to reschedule that. But, uh, yeah, so yeah. Sorry, if you have Chargers fans out there or football fans who are curious about hearing from one of the uh, best rookie defensive backs in the league, the defensive rookie of the month, we're going to reschedule that. Uh, but unfortunately, we uh, just couldn't make it happen today. All right, we're going to break. We'll see you on another time. All right.
4: So I think they have the ability to run the football and throw it. Um, they'll matriculate the ball down the field or they'll be explosive. But I think when you just put the, pull the whole thing back, it all goes back to It's like watching Peyton Manning. It's like watching Drew Brees, you know, call the game with the line of scrimmage. Um, I think I think what Dak's doing right now is uh, unbelievably impressive.
1: Man, I love hearing that from Matt Rule. Because, Michael, you remember after the opener against the Bucks, I told you that Dak Prescott was about to kick in the door, wave in the 4-4 to the top five quarterback club. And it's just great to hear Matt Rule talk about Dak from a cerebral perspective um, and what he's doing at the line of scrimmage. And speaking of cerebral, uh Chris Sims, Christopher Sims uh, has a lot of smart things to say about football in general and quarterback play in particular, which we'll get to momentarily. But um, as a a fly on the wall, so to speak in this uh, very active group chat over the weekend. I feel like uh, our brother from another Chris Sims deserves the opportunity to talk his ish uh, over the over the week after the way he was over the weekend with given what the Yankees did to Holly's Red Sox is. So Chris, take it away.
0: Oh, I mean, I don't have much to say. You know, it just it seems like the universe is going back in the right direction. Red Sox blowing things for 80 or 90 years and Yankees winning things. So I don't know. I'm just glad I got that. But that was so oh there it is right there. Yeah, a lot of bad words. Oh muda, Yeah, but that was awesome. All, I enjoyed it. Chris Sims. <laughs> Look at this.
3: Look, hey man, first of all, I'm glad you had your fun over the weekend. I really had nothing to say. I couldn't even say anything. I I like I'm I, I have these very like lame responses because you had control. I knew you had control. I couldn't say anything to you. But this is what I'm gonna say to you right now, Chris Sims. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. That one game playoff, likely in Yankee Stadium, and that's what it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt. It's gonna matter. <laughs> Look, they won. They swept the Red Sox. They ragged ragdolled them. They had fun. Lots of Yankee fans around the city. I saw all over the place with the Yankee hats. Okay. They had, but they took control of Fenway Park. But next week in New York City, which is much more fun socially than Boston. I'll admit it a lot more to do in New York than Boston. Go, go to New York go win that one-game playoff, and make you suffer at home. So get ready.
0: We'll see. We'll see. Listen, you're more confident in my Yankees than I am. I'm not even sure we're going to get in here yet. We still got to play the Blue Jays again and the Rays. So uh, we've been known to blow a few games this year. I'm just hoping we get in. And that would be awesome to see Red Sox-Yankees. I'm
1: (laughs) rooting for I'm rooting
3: for Red Sox-Yankees. Good.
1: I'm just here. I'm just here for the group chat. Fun. I got, like my name is Paul. That's between y'all. I just was I just enjoyed observing y'all go back and forth. All right,
3: but he um, was like, he was wilding out though. You were wilding <laughs> out in the group chat though. Like you, something yeah, ain't right out. with you. Seriously. I, you are messed up.
0: Well, we know that we know that
1: <laughs> uh, back, back to that Prescott, who's not doing a whole lot of messing up at all right now. One of the marquee games of the weekend, who would have thought Cowboys Panthers, but specifically Dak Prescott, he said it a few times. I'm better than I've ever been I wonder what that looks like from your vantage point Chris how is Dak Prescott better than he's been which is pretty damn good for several
0: years now it is it's pretty damn good for several years he's one of those guys that like I feel like I had to defend a lot like two three years ago you know to go like no this is your franchise guy Dallas Cowboy fans this is the man he's everything you want you know but of course they weren't winning games in some of those so it was his fault right I mean it's back to the same old story Where it's amazing is I don't even think he's 100% like physically himself yet either. I don't think he can run quite to the capacity he could before the ankle injury. But where he's better than before is a little bit like what Matt Rule's talking about. It's pre-snap recognition. It's when the ball is snapped, he just sees the, the field perfectly almost every play. He's become a little bit of a machine robot that way. And... When there are people open or barely open, he very rarely misses the target. He stands tough in the pocket. And each week we've seen a little bit more movement outside of the pocket. So I I couldn't be happier for Dak Prescott. I've been a big fan of his for a long time. I've, I've been with him in person twice at the Super Bowl. He came on my podcast and he won me over immediately. He had already won me over on the field. But then when I saw what kind of man he is, what kind of leader you could just tell he's got, you know, that it factor. Um, I'm really happy for him and he's rolling. And yes, he is one of the best I, quarterbacks listen, in football. There's no denying that. I,
1: I totally relate to how you started. I remember it went, not that, it went that long ago, a couple of years ago, I had people coming at my head for picking Dak over Carson Wentz. Remember what that was a thing? Like, who's better Dak or Carson Wentz? Like, Dak sure. I was like, are you crazy? Kurskout. So anyway, Michael, go ahead.
3: Well, look, let's go from, from one part of Texas to another, because uh, I, I hear now that Jay Glazer's reporting. Everybody's had some report. Uh, all, all of our insiders, everybody else's insiders have some report, but the latest from Jay Glazer is that, that the Texans are softening on their stance with Deshaun Watson, and, and Glazer just keeps dropping some hints that something's gonna happen. I think, and tell me if you disagree, I think if, if Deshaun Watson is traded to the Miami Dolphins The Dolphins go from a team that I'm not even thinking about, I'm not worried about, to a serious contender in the AFC. What say you, Chris?
0: No, I I agree with that. As long as the NFL lets him play after they make that trade, I would totally agree with you. Hey, Deshaun Watson's special. I mean, he is a top-five quarterback, 100%. He was going into the year before the year. He played awesome last year and had crap all around him. You know, I've had these conversations a lot with Florio on Pro Football Talk. You know, uh, Yeah, Casario was going off radar on teams. That's the GM of the, the Houston Texans, for all those that don't know. But yeah, he was, you know, driving a hard bargain. I think people were having a hard time getting in regular conversations with him about, you know, the trade and let's, you know, what do you want? Let's talk this out. Let's try to work something. But you know, again, I, I, I do think if the trade's made, Michael Holly, I, I do think the NFL is going to step in and probably say, wait, you can't play. We've got to push you on the commissioner exempt list. But here's the aspect I think some people are missing. To me, if, if the Dolphins lose a few more games and they realize, wait, okay, you know, maybe we can get in the playoffs but we're not a real Super Bowl team, we're not where we really want to be, I, I think that makes them more dangerous to trade for Deshaun Watson and happen. And I think that's what they got to watch out from other teams too. If you're Miami and you really do want Watson, like same thing with Philadelphia, if Philadelphia is like one in five here in, in a few weeks and things aren't going good, they might just go, Hey, it's over. We've seen enough from Jalen hurts. We know Watson's awesome. Let's make the trade. I think it could be one of those teams that's going, all right, it's not going to work for us this year, but now let's start looking for the next two, three, five, ten years. And uh, Watson's a game changer from all aspects of an organization. So I agree with you all the way there. Just if they let him play this year, that's the big question.
1: Speaking of uh, the next 10 years, um, we got the last two number one picks squaring off tonight. Uh, Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence. I saw something fun uh, on Instagram. I think it was from a bleacher report, if I'm not mistaken. Sometimes the simplest questions are the most fun. And it may have it also may be unfair, maybe unfair because, you know, we've only seen three games of Trevor Lawrence where we've seen, you know, a bit more of Joe Burrow going back to the last year before the injury. But Chris, who would you rather have as your quarterback for the next decade based on what you know about these guys and what you've seen, or is it an incomplete? You can cop out if you want it. I prefer you. Do, I, well, you yeah,
0: i for I oddly enough, Florio asked me the same question today and I kind of did cop out to a degree. Um, I love both guys, you know. Yeah, I mean, Burrow was my number one guy in the draft class two years ago. I always stated that I thought Justin Herbert had the higher ceiling. He was my second quarterback. Trevor Lawrence, of course, you know, I had Zach Wilson one and him two. But I've liked everything I've seen from Trevor Lawrence. You know, here's where I guess I'll I'll say, I do think Trevor Lawrence has a higher ceiling or more high-end ability, right? I do, you know, he's big. He's very athletic. He can throw with people around him in the pocket because he's so big. Size is a skill, you know, his ability to throw over linemen and, oh man, I'm about to get hit. It doesn't affect him. That's a real aspect. His arm is probably stronger than Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow's like, He's like the natural. That's what I say to a lot of people. Like, yeah. it might not just wow you with like pure arm talent, but damn, the ball's always on the money. Damn, he always throws to the open guy. Damn, he's a slippery sob in the pocket, moving around. I'm seeing that more and more, you know, week after week. So, it is a little bit of an incomplete. It's a little too early for me to say Trevor Lawrence. I really like both, and I'm not panicked by Trevor Lawrence and the turnovers or anything of that well, nature that's what at I this want to point. Get to you. I'm really not. I think both are franchise guys. It's just a little different in both of them. And it's hard for me to say at this point.
1: See, I would say it's Burrow. The reason I would say it's Burrow and and you typically don't say stuff like this about this organization, but I think the Bengals look and maybe it's a relative conversation look like they have set their young quarterback up more to succeed than the Jaguars have to this point, right? Mm. And who would have thought that right? Given what they, the money they put on defense, and, and they seem to have hit on the number five overall pick, but you know no need to bring up old stuff, Michael oh, Holly. But actually, stop. 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 what I really wanted stop. to ask you about is, is is about the turnovers because we look at we look at quarterbacks and specifically the top two top two picks. Matt Jones, you know up and down. Justin Fields just had a disastrous first start. Trey Lance hasn't seen the field much yet. I really want to focus on Lawrence and Zach Wilson. What have you seen in their struggles? these first three games that encourages you about their ability to handle adversity and to turn these experiences into a positive as opposed to them being irreparably harmed by what you're seeing Zach Wilson go through and what Trevor Lawrence is going through in terms of the struggles and getting beat up.
0: Yeah, well, I think we'd like, We've, we've lost, like, the perce- or reality a little bit with young quarterbacks because of a few other young quarterbacks who have come in and just succeeded right away, right? Like, Justin Herbert got to take over a team last year that was a borderline playoff-caliber football team that kind of just messed things up, you know, the year before to be in position to draft him. Let's not forget, two years before they drafted Justin Herbert, the Chargers were tied with the Chiefs for the top record in the AFC at 12-4, Right. The year after that, they was like, one of those years, Anthony Lynn and Phillip Rivers, they just, they found a way to mess up games every week in a lot of close football games. So the support system, of course, Mahomes got to take over a team that was the number two team in the AFC playoffs when he was drafted and they traded up to get him. You know, we've seen Joe Flacco, Russell Wilson took over a team that was a playoff caliber team. But this is a different scenario. These are two teams that were in Crapville and Jacksonville and just plain old crappy in New York with the Jets. So it is a total rebuild. It's more back to the days of like Peyton Manning taking over the Colts. I, I see high-end physical talent from both of these guys, right? And I listen, I'd be the kind of guy, no matter where I pick somebody or whatever, I, I'm the kind of guy I think my history would say. i go, ooh, I'm a little concerned. I don't like what I see. I don't. You know, mm-hmm. I was, didn't love like Jared Goff coming out in the draft. I like Carson Wentz more, but I saw like the first six or seven games from Jared Goff and I was like, ah, nope, nope. It's not going to be special. It can be good, but I don't like the way it looks. Same thing about Blake Bortles, who was the number three pick of the draft. So the thing I see from two of these guys is there's a few plays every game where I go, damn, that's like a real deal Holyfield throw right there. They don't seem like they're flustered or lost confidence in themselves so when I watch them. you know It's a team sport. They're going through some struggles. They're learning life in the NFL. And every game they've played in so far, their team is the lesser team. And let's just not forget that. So I think that's what I see. And I've seen you know, Trevor Lawrence last week make some big throws. And Zach Wilson did some good things too. He just played a much better Broncos football team.
3: So listen, I'm I'm glad to hear you speak on this, uh, Chris Sims. I just want to know, do you want to dismantle this narrative going about uh, young quarterbacks or do you want to reinforce it? The bottom line, I think I just heard you say, correct me if I'm wrong, I heard you say, yeah, some of these guys have struggled not because they're not ready but because their teams are not ready. Uh, You mentioned Russell Wilson, good team. Ben Roethlisberger is a young guy, good team. Joe Flacco, great organization. The Baltimore Ravens, Trevor Lawrence, the Jaguars, Zach Wilson, the Jets. So is it the young quarterback not ready or is it the organizations are not ready?
0: Yeah, to me, it's not. It's the organizations that are not ready. You know, plain and simple. It it really is. Yeah, yeah. All the other ones that we've talked about, you're right. They didn't need their rookie quarterback to be a, a, a star and just take over the game. The rookie quarterback, in a lot of those instances you just brought out, like Joe Flacco. Oh, well, I mean, come on. We know what the Ravens were about. They were going to let you score 10 points on the other side of the ball. Joe Flacco just had to manage the game and make a throw here or there. That's the same for Russell Wilson with that Seattle team. I'm going to hand it off to Beast Mode. Defense will make a few plays. If I can make two or three big-time throws a game, we'll win the damn game. This is awesome. These guys don't have that luxury right now. They're getting stuck in moments of like... Whoa, Trevor Lawrence has to throw the ball 50 times in the first game, and, and whoa, we're, you know, Zach Wilson and company, we can't run the ball, so we gotta ask you to drop back, even though we're no, we don't protect that well, and we're not that great at wide receiver. So they're, been, they're in very, very tough situations, and that's where I just tell everybody, yeah. I've been saying this all week, let's not like write it in stone what their future is yet. Let's pump the brakes, let's let it play out. I'm all about the look. The look looks the right way. Now it's about the team and the organization trying to get the team to look the right way, and you'll see how great the quarterback is. Well, the answer is I'll, Max I'll take Stafford that with the Rams. Like the he's, crap. Always... He's, crap. he's crap. He's crap. He's crap. Now he's with you know he was crap. crap. He's crap. He's crap in Detroit. Now he's with the Rams. There he's going, man. Max Stafford's a superstar. He's amazing. Look at him. Unbelievable. Yeah, he hasn't changed. Dude, he got a team around him. Finally. This is your te- Here he is. That's
3: the guy you looking for Michael but the, Smith. But,
1: but the answer is the answer is both. And I was gonna say the answer is both. If, if, if we put that graphic it back up, because in here, speaking no, here's what I mean outs. by both. Speaking of cop no, out. No, it's not a cop out. No, I'm just I'm just more thoroughly answering your question. Here, here's 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 the here's the, here's the, here's the, the truth okay. of the matter. I'm 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 adding on I'm adding on to what Chris is saying. It's a combination of bad situations, which was why they were at the top of the draft in the first place. Specifically, we one and two. Um, but it's also they're not ready they're rookie quarterbacks and rookie quarterbacks struggle and a lot of first-round quarterbacks bust they do bust the chances Michael we talked about this the chance of all five first-round quarterbacks turning out to be really good look at the recent history when it comes to the amount of first-round quarterbacks changing teams and here's the other thing about this particular class This is why I like this graphic I, I want to put this up Trevor Lawrence was anointed. And he may still be, but as a generational quarterback prospect, more so than more, most of the recent guys. Zach Wilson got Patrick Mahomes hype coming out of BYU, okay? Not to mention he goes to New York. Justin Fields out of Ohio State. And Matt Jones from Alabama. All of these guys had so much hype about them coming into the season. And so I think it's just a shock to people's system to see them struggle, even though like you were just saying, Chris Sims. This is the way it's always gone in NFL history. Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, Joe Flacco, all the guys y'all mentioned have spoiled us into thinking it's easy. It's supposed to be hard for a young quarterback. Right. This is the natural order of things. But these guys, we spend so much time talking about the five guys and when is field's going to start. And, and what is, what is what he talking about that it's is, is a competition with, with, with Gardner Minshew? And when is Trey Lance going to start? Your boy Kyle Shanahan is like... What y'all thought I was gonna do? Rotate quarterbacks. I mean, the back—he's the backup quarterback. Garoppolo's the star. It's like this is the way it's supposed to go. It is probably best for him to sit more often than not. Um, I wanted to play some sound before we let you go. I got one more question for you. Yeah. Unless you, were you done on that, Michael? You anything else on that? No, on that no, topic? done on that.
3: Done on that. Yeah, because we. I just wanted to play some. We if we if we start going back and forth, we'll we'll be here all day. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave that. We'll be there. here all
1: day, but hey, all good. Last thing I wanted to get to. Uh, take a listen to uh, um I hate saying that. Uh check out the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid talking about their new addition Josh Gordon who's officially official a member of the Chiefs practice squad specifically.
3: Josh is a good player. I think we all know that. Um and he's worked hard on his situation um and making sure it was right. He's been reinstated by the league, which I thought was important an important step. <clears throat> and um and so we welcome him aboard. Um, he'll be working on the practice squad and doing, uh, you know, seeing where he's at football-wise. So um, nothing immediate, but we'll just see see where he's at and what he what he can do.
4: We get enough routes ran throughout the week, where I'll be able to kind of start building that chemistry with him. And I'm sure they'll kind of incorporate him with a, a couple a couple roles in the offense as the season goes on and as we get him up to speed. And uh, we'll see where that takes us. I mean, you don't really know until you get out there and do it, but uh, I'm, I'm excited for the opportunity to do it.
1: All I want to know, Chris, was from, from an X's and O's, from a film perspective, it feels like, I mean, mm. we don't know what Josh Gordon still has left. We know he's been supremely talented, and we all know uh, about his, his availability or lack thereof. I just want to know if you see this addition of Josh Gordon to the Chiefs the way I do, which is more of a necessity than a luxury as dynamic and explosive. Their offense is they've never really had consistent production from a receiver standpoint outside of and This is a lot of production, but outside of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey it's, do they actually need somebody like a Josh Gordon to step up in a way that Nicole Harmon and Pringle and and Robinson haven't to this point.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with what you're saying there. I mean, they're still going to be the top, one of the top offenses in football and dangerous as hell, like, uh, you, you're, but you're right. I think if they're measuring themselves again against, you know, we're going to win the Super Bowl. We want to win the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, I think they need another target or another guy that you can fear or a defense fears on the side of the ball. The other thing they don't have is any size of receiver either. And Josh Gordon is like, He's like one of those guys, the first time you see him in person, you're like, oh my gosh, you're a receiver in the NFL? Holy cow, you're a freak mm-hmm. of nature. I mean, he looks like a power forward in the NBA, except he runs 4-3. I mean, he's as freaky as it gets. So, yeah, I, I, do, I wonder how much burst and top-end speed he has, but he's, a, he's always been a pretty good route runner, strong hands, and if he still has some of that speed, yeah, I think he can contribute to their football team. And he's one of those guys, again... That they don't have on their team where it's like, okay, he's covered, like, but it doesn't matter. He's 6'5 and has a 40-inch vertical, and he'll adjust to the ball, and yeah. Mahomes will put it in a spot where he can get it. They don't have that, so he can help out in the red zone. If teams want to play the man-to-man, he can be that advantage there. So the Chiefs, yeah, they got some things they got to work on. Here, could I say this? Do we have enough time here? Like The Chiefs, they got to stop being like bored with going on 10-play or 12-play 80-yard drives. You know, teams are not Mm -hmm. going to start to come up and play them more aggressive until they show that they can be patient like Drew Brees with the Saints or Brady with the Patriots and just pick you apart, pick you apart, pick you apart. Or teams are just going to keep playing these safe defenses and go, they'll get impatient and screw it up. Mahomes will get bored and throw a no-look to a wide open receiver over the middle. So they have to start doing that. And here's the other thing. Last thing I'll say, I know I don't mean to be too long here, but like, they're not the mm-hmm. only team in football that's seeing umbrella defenses to stop the big play. I mean, the Rams are seeing that. The, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks are seeing that. The Cowboys see it a lot. They've got to find ways to game plan a little bit more for those plays. They, they have gotten, in my opinion, a little cocky and just go, this is what we do, and we're just going to run it, and we'll make it happen. And teams have figured out a formula to stop some of those big plays. You know, they got to draw some plays in the dirt and go, wait, they're going to play this safe defense? Okay. Hey, Mahomes, I called this play, but be ready to check to that play we talked about that would screw them over if they play that safe defense. Like, you know, Deshaun Jackson faking an in-cut and running up down the middle of the field for a wide open touchdown. They got to infuse that a little bit into their game. They can't just be like, this is what we do and just be cocky like that week in and week out.
1: That's good stuff right there, like man. That. You got to apologize. Only thing I didn't like about that answer is that we weren't at a whiteboard when you were giving it. I would have loved to have been at a whiteboard with a, with a, with a, with a marker uh, when you were breaking that down for us just now. Appreciate Check it, Check out Sims. Chris Sims
0: Unbutton. I get to do some video breakdown stuff and all that, and I do do that. So, yeah, but you the man always. Peace out. Right. Peace out. See ya. Chris Sims, Sims Unbuttoned. And or and zipped, the as the case
5: may be. <laughs> yeah, zipped up. <laughs> uh-uh.
6: It's a great blue-collar town. There's a lot of,
3: uh,
6: you know, a lot of great people that live there. It's got a lot of history, that city.
3: Um, Mike Tomlin, you know, been there forever. One of the – is he second-longest tenured head coach in the league after Bill?
4: I believe so, yeah. Second or third, yeah.
3: Pete Carroll? Uh, no. Peyton. Charlie no, Payton? Uh, but I have a ton of respect for Mike. I think he's a fantastic coach. I think he's – I love the way that he leads. I love the way he talks after the games. He always seems to keep things uh, – you know, really even keeled and you know it looks like he's somewhere that the players players love playing for him so they you know they've had a great defense it's been a part of Pittsburgh uh, the franchise for a long long
1: time you know I love the way that our buddy Charles Robinson thinks I love the way that he processes things I love the way that he connects dots um, yeah he wrote something pretty provocative on Yahoo and he said, look, Aaron Rodgers, especially on Pat McAfee's show, he's not just throwing stuff out there. He's very strategic and very intentional with his words. And he pointed he is. out
3: that he is.
1: Pittsburgh, which looks like it might have hung, hung around with Ben a year too long, but Pittsburgh's going to be in the market for a quarterback next year. Pittsburgh, as evidenced by the T.J. Watt extension and that negotiation, may be coming off of its this-is-how-we-do-things approach to football um, and that much like Brady going to Tampa, uh, Pittsburgh could be a quarterback away from getting right back to the Super Bowl. Um, want to know what you thought about that. Uh, a Mike Tomlin Aaron Rodgers marriage, uh, in Pittsburgh after this year, if, if that makes sense to you. That Pittsburgh's not a team that's been thrown around at least that I've seen, most has been Denver obviously was San Francisco, uh, but I haven't heard much about about the Steelers. Do You think the Steelers would uh, would be interested in
3: in Aaron Rodgers and vice versa.
1: They play this weekend Mike Tomlin talking about this.
3: Yeah, as Mike Tomlin would say, uh, we're not going to address that at this juncture. We are worried and focused and disciplined (laughs) and aligned as we prepare for the Green Bay Packers. And if we were to address this. We would do that internally, not on a platform such as this. Although I appreciate your question. I love dude. I sit around and listen to I just love listening to Mike Tomlin talk. The standard is the standard. (laughs) He's great. Uh, But you know, it would make a lot of sense. It would make a lot of sense. The only risk to it is uh, the Steelers could look at it and say, well, wait a minute. I heard Michael Smith say accurately that we may have stayed with Ben Roethlisberger a year too long. Who's to say that Aaron Rodgers at 38 years old next year, right? 38 years old comes in and I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers slide off the map on our watch. He could do that in yeah. Sheboygan, not in Western Pennsylvania. So why, why should we do that? That's the only risk, but I don't think that's going to happen. Cause it looked like, it looks like Aaron Rodgers, has four or five years left. I, I think he would fit. He would fit with that franchise because it's not like they're grinding out Steelers anymore. It's not like, oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is going to go there and hand the ball off 35 times. No, they like to throw the ball. Ben Roethlisberger likes to throw it. He probably likes to throw it too much based on his, skill, his current skill set. But I can see Rodgers going there and really giving them a boost for a couple of years. Makes sense Yeah, I don't to me. see it. I don't see, I, honestly, I don't
1: see it you as a fit. Don't. I think, I think extending TJ, what? no, I don't. Uh, I mean, look, not that Aaron Rodgers couldn't fit in with anybody, but in terms of what Rodgers is looking for, like, okay, it's, it's so different than relationships. You think she's fine. She looked like the dream girl, but then you actually get with her. it's like, oh, wait a second. This is not what I had in mind. You just be like, wait, well, I got regular old crackers. I thought it was a Ritz, you know? It's like, this is not, this is not everything I imagined. I think it's sexy, certainly, to imagine a world in which Aaron Rodgers, you know, aligns with one of the most iconic franchises in NFL history, but I don't know that the pack that the, that the Steelers would deviate. No, no, they're much similar to the Packers. The Packers have a way of doing business. The Steelers have a way of doing business. T.J. Watt. They made an exception for, but that's different circumstances. I think that the Steelers are, would probably be saying to themselves, look, we like to build through the draft, even though I think that idea is kind of like, well, what's the difference in picking a young player versus using picks to acquire a veteran player ask the Rams how that's working out so I think you can still build through the draft by using those picks to acquire players but that's not a here nor a there I don't think the Steelers want to invest uh, you know a significant number of a significant cap number into an aging quarterback when they got so many needs along the offensive line they probably have holes they could fill elsewhere on defense defensive line whatever I don't think and and here's the big thing for me Brady got people it's Brady and Tampa got other quarterbacks getting it twisted so Brady goes to Tampa, and they roll out the red carpet for him, and he's, you know, the assistant GM with Jason Light, and anybody he wants, he right. gets. He calls up Richard and, Sherman and recruits and Richard Sherman. Richard and the an head coach. Yeah, right. Richard assistant Sherman, you know, and gets signed. Antonio Brown, I want him. I want Gio Bernard. Like, everybody he wants, he gets. I don't think Kevin Colbert and the Steelers and Omar Khan and the Rooneys and, and Mike Tomlin are going to be like, okay, Aaron, okay, new guy, whatever you want we'll get it for you. Like what he's looking for in Green Bay, I don't think he's going to find it in Pittsburgh. If he's going to find it anywhere, it's probably well, going to be in Green
3: Bay. Well, okay, you said the Steelers don't like to do business like that. You're right. But until they traded uh, a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick, one of my favorite steps, they had yep. their first-round pick every year since 1967. Every year, first-round pick yep. Steelers. They ain't traded. They ain't and yet. that worked they out tra- very They just well. held on to it. But then they got Minka Fitzpatrick. And I also There's want to point one first out rounder, that right? Wrigley Field, okay, one first-rounder. And, and once upon a time at Wrigley Field, you know, they ain't playing night. They had afternoon games. And then <laughs> No, things change. No question. Things change. Yeah. So I, I get think, it. I just think, I think they will have to change specifically because the T.J. Watt, the T.J. Watt situation, it just really kind of smoked them out a bit. I, I, you know, they you know how I feel about the organization. I have, a, I have a lot of respect for them, but they had never done this before. So it really was an it was a, a tension point. Either we continue to do business the way we've always done yeah. business, make no exceptions even for T.J. Watt, or we, we modernize a bit and say, yeah, sometimes you got to make exceptions for players like no, this. No, I, I get, get that, and maybe they do for T.J. Watt. Maybe they, they'll do it for Aaron Rodgers. So Maybe say, they do, but, but say, T.J. Watt, difference is Aaron homegrown with guy.
1: Home, well, homegrown with guy. Right, but Watt's a homegrown guy. Watt, they, they will extend their own. They'll let some of them go to free agency, but they will sign their own and keep their homegrown guys at home. I got it. They drafted, developed, groomed into the player that he is, not only acquiring an Aaron Rodgers for picks, but also accommodating Aaron Rodgers once he gets there does seem unstealer like to me, but nonetheless, I appreciated the conversation starter. By the way, I want to go back to okay. the conversation. We have having earlier though.
3: When's the last time they win in the Super Bowl? It's been about a decade, right?
1: Uh, last decade since they were last in the Super time Bowl. they played Aaron Rodgers. Last time they played Aaron Rodgers. Right. They, yeah. Okay. No question. So, um, I want to go yeah. go back to the conversation we have earlier about the Sean Watson and these rumors that have been rekindled about Watson, okay. uh, potentially being on the move to Miami. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I shared this with you before, but I I, I know that these my this Miami infatuation on both sides. This didn't just happen this this offseason Miami's had eyes for Deshaun Watson going back to last offseason as in prior to the 2020 season. Okay, Mm -hmm. um, all right, and and what's interesting about it is one. I, out of sight out of mind to an extent, but I, I, I was thinking it's kind of hard to believe we're going into week Four that dude is going to is going to be a healthy inactive. It's all season it's long so Houston,
3: weird isn't it
1: that Houston is going to it's pay so him weird. to sit and that he's just going to sit It's just and, and I know he's dug in on his stance and never playing for them again and I'll get to the off the field the very serious off the field sexual assault allegations and complaints in a moment, right? But like from a football standpoint, one of the best quarterbacks in the league just not playing by choice for the most part. As far as this situation goes, here's why I think if something's going to happen, here's why I think how I think it happens. And something that we haven't really talked about as we didn't get into the minutia with the you know, uh, Tony Busby and and the 22 civil suits and 10 criminal complaints and the grand jury and the FBI and the Houston PD and the NFL is that the reason as I understand it. The reason that this hasn't been settled yet civilly is because Deshaun Watson doesn't want an NDA. Busby. That's that's usually the other way around. Busby and his, and and his clients want a non-disclosure agreement. Watson doesn't want it. Otherwise oh, interesting, I believe it would already be settled and mm. I believe that once it's settled and this and there's some because right now it's limbo. There's no clarity if there's no clarity and if you're the Dolphins and you trade three ones and two two straight up no protections just three ones and two two straight up you trade that to the Texans right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and then the moment mm-hmm. he's on the field the league has to take him off. Okay, because the reason he's not on a, not, uh, the commissioner's exempt list is because there's no need for him to be on the list because he's not playing. Same as the preseason. He wasn't getting paid. It's paid leave. You're not going to get somebody paid leave when they ain't getting paid. On the contrary, or conversely, if he settles and the league hits him with a six-game suspension, now if you're Steven right. Ross and the Miami Dolphins, you know what the deal is, and now you can make that trade It it having been facilitated based on not an admission of guilt, if you're Deshaun Watson, but a desire just to move forward with your life and your career. So if something's going to go down, the first thing that has to happen is clarity when it comes to the civil allegation, the civil suits and and the sexual misconduct allegation. Once there's that clarity, I have no doubt that Stephen Ross would still pull the trigger on a trade knowing that. Okay, I'll take this six game hit. But for the next six to 10 years, we got one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL. That's the holdup as I see it. And I think that's always been a holdup. It's like, why is he just in limbo? He's in limbo because they could not come to settlement terms, which again, that doesn't mean that the criminal complaints are going to completely go away, but they're less likely to cooperate criminally his, his accusers if they've settled civilly. So food for thought on the Deshaun Watson front.
3: Here's why well, it, it, it is. It's great food for thought, and I, I think this is why it makes so much sense. Uh, by the way, I have to keep saying, you've said it already. We can't say it enough. These are very serious allegations. We don't know what happened. We don't know. Uh, we're, we're, we're not saying, oh nothing happened to Deshaun Watson. Not, not saying that. There are allegations. They're out there. We don't know. We're taking them seriously. With that being said, it's been very quiet. Right? It's Mm -hmm. been very quiet on the Deshaun. It's been quiet on the Deshaun Watson front. It's been quiet with where he stands with the Houston Texans, uh, the lawyers, who are not known to be quiet types. Rusty Harden is not a quiet guy. Tony Busby, not a quiet guy, has been very quiet, which makes me think that something is happening behind the scenes. Because yes. if, if, if nothing is happening behind the scenes, that's when people start popping off. They try to make it happen. Right. They, 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 right. uh, they get it going, we're gonna, we're gonna provoke a conversation. Uh, we're gonna go to the media, but we haven't heard a word. And I, yeah. it, it, that seems, that seems to suggest that maybe there is gonna be that clarity before we, right. we see a deal, before we see a. a a football deal there's going to be a legal clarity right. before we see a football
1: deal right on the contrary switching sports switching topics on the contrary a Ben Simmons deal is not in sight you thought we were gonna go a whole show without talking about Ben Simmons come on hey, now how long I'm y'all been kicking it. it with us how long y'all been kicking it with it. us um, so this is how so great article in the ringer from Kevin O'Connor and the athletic also wrote an article to this effect but This one in particular really kind of drills down on essentially when the Sixers contingent paid a visit to Ben Simmons, not the players, Mm the the management brand, Maury Rivers. He basically said, it's not you. It's me. Okay. Kevin O'Connor breaks down how Ben Simmons wants to go somewhere uh, to a team that's built around him on offense where he's not a number two. Doc Rivers talked to Simmons about staggering minutes more often between him and Embiid, playing Simmons at the five when Embiid's not on the floor, putting him in situations similar to Giannis's role in Milwaukee with four shooters around, around him, empowering him to be a primary scoring option with the second unit. Um, there it is. Basically, just like hey, you know, we'll figure out how to uh, bring out the best in you. We'll we'll, we'll make some adjustments. Simmons like, no, that ain't good enough. As long as I'm here, I'm I'm number two. Before I give you my thoughts, and we'll get your thoughts as well, most importantly, here's what Joel Embiid had to say.
6: Uh, Like I said, it is disappointing, but I feel like, you know, over the years, um, the way our team has been built to run, like you look at last year, you got the whole starting lineup shot. I was the world's. Uh, Three-point shooter in the song lineup, and I shot 38% from three. Uh, we we've always had shooters, and I feel like I can really play with anybody, and I can make you know anybody you know uh, be better on the court. Uh, but I don't necessarily need shooters. But I feel like over the years, you know, you look at you know when we saw out, it's because we needed a. Stretch five, uh, just to make sure that you know that was form. And I, you know, most of my career, I've had to kind of, you know, step out to the three-point line point which I don't mind. You know, I like to be, uh, you know, a basketball player. I like to do everything on the on the basketball court. But I feel like our teams have been built whether it's the shooting needed, the stretch five, and all that stuff. I feel like he's always had it uh, here and. Which they have, you got set, you know, like I said, one of the best three point shooters ever, Danny Green, Tobias is a forty percent three point shooter for coming off the bench My time shake. I think he can be a better shooter, but you know, he can get hot. Uh we just added George. So I feel like, you know, teams have uh, our teams have always been built around these needs. Uh, so it was kind of surprising to see, you know, I would say that even going back to, uh, I mean, the reason we signed out is, you know, we got rid of Jimmy, which I still think it was a mistake, uh, just to make sure that, you know, we he, he, want, he needed the ball in his hands, and, you know, that's the decision they made, uh, but, uh, you yeah, know, like I said, it, it is surprising, uh, but I'm really focused on the guys that are here. Uh, you know, uh, the situation is is weird, disappointing, uh, borderline kind of disrespectful to all the guys that are out here.
1: Let's start off by saying something nice. Let me say something nice first. It's a great stat that I saw. Uh, ben Simmons is one of five players in NBA history to dish out more than 2,000 assists and grab more than 2,000 rebounds over his first four wow. seasons. The others LeBron Oscar Grant Hill and Magic Johnson. So we're talking about a, a, a very special talent when it comes to uh, passing and uh, and defensively. Having said all that. My issue with Ben Simmons reported reluctance to remain number two is that typically superstar players and I'm saying superstar players, which he's not. Superstar players have had enough of being number two after your team has achieved number one status. Let me say that again. Typically, superstar players have had enough of being number two after your teams have achieved superstar status. Michael, the longer this drags on, and the more reporting comes out, the worse Ben Simmons looks. Because what yeah, pisses I, I, me off, and I, I got, I have a dog in this fight. Amen. I'm not a Sixers fan. All I want is resolution and that's why I keep pointing the finger at Moore. I just want resolution here. But the reason why he looks bad right now is I have not read a single thing yet. That says that Ben Simmons wants to win. And he wants to go somewhere where he can win. Everything seems to be about how he can't be the best version of himself with Joel Embiid. Well, like I said the other day, gifted passers Want a running mate like Joel Embiid and Michael Holland, Let me tell you something, bro. Last I checked, they got a hell of a lot of number twos in the Hall of Fame. Oh, y'all don't hear me, though. Let me say that for the people in the back. They got a hell of a lot of number twos in the Hall of Fame. And depending on who your number one is, it ain't so bad being a number two. They got some of the greatest right. players of all time have been quote unquote number twos. This dude don't want to play with a Joel Embiid because he thinks Embiid hinders his game. Maybe your jump shot or lack thereof hinders your game, but I'm just saying what everybody already knows. That's not I'm not breaking any news here Okay, because what's gonna happen is you're gonna go somewhere else. That's going to build around you And then you're gonna say well, I need more help. Well, I ain't got enough help I just want to know what's important to dude. What are his priorities? His judgment is askew and his priorities seem jacked up to me because you are in a situation playing one of the best big men in the league he compliments your talents. And if you would evolve your game, maybe y'all would get it done in the playoffs. Instead of saying, what could I do to get better so we can get over that second round hump? We were the number one seed last year. It can't be that bad. Ben Simmons and Clutch Sports are saying that Joel Embiid is holding them back? That's ass backwards. Jo- Joel Embiid is holding you back? Oh my God, you're holding them back, which is why they threw you under the bus in the first place. Floor is yours, Michael.
3: Man, first of all, let me tell you this. Situation's over. This is over. It's over. It's. And we, isn't that what Vince Carter said after he won a dunk contest? It's over. It's over. We're done. When, when, when Joel Embiid said, the situation is weird and borderline disrespectful. Right. See, take. Take all the corporate logos out the background. Take off the advertising that's on the Sixers jerseys. Forget about the fancy practice facility in Camden, New Jersey. Okay, now, okay, now we're taking it. This is a street stuff. Okay, this is a street level disagreement. Now, are you disrespectful? What'd you say? What'd you say? Right. You talking about me? Hey, man, I've been on your side the entire time. You talking about me? So this is done, Doc Rivers. Stop playing the game. Saying Ben can come back. Don't use any more analogies. Whether you're talking about Aaron Rodgers to the Packers, whether you're talking about somebody who left the organization, LeBron James going back to Cleveland. Stop.
1: Nope. This is a different
3: situation. It's over. That's one. Here's number two. You said something really profound, and and you. I don't know if you said it this way to make a point, but I heard it probably it jumped out at me. <laughs> you said you said Ben Simmons and clutch sports. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to let me let me tell you a quick story. That's the reporting
1: story. That's the reporting.
3: Yeah, right. All right. Ben Simmons and clinch and clutch sports. I'll tell you. I don't have an agent right now. I'm not going to get one. I'll tell you why I'm not going to get one. I remember being in a contract uh, situation and i told my agent and i said at the time i said "Uh, this is what i want you to say and i was very clear i said and this is how i want you to say it and i came out of that Mm -hmm. situation because he didn't do what i told him to do He got a little rambunctious he got a little emotional and i you know i feel like i'm even i know better than that don't get emotional in a contract situation got to just be smooth. It's a negotiation. You're going back and forth. And I came out of that (laughs) situation thinking, you know who who represents Michael Hawley the best? Michael Hawley. And I say that to say this to Ben Simmons. The reason you're losing this PR war right now, because you ain't saying nothing. We got to hear people uh, close to Simmons and and according to sources. And Hey man, you got to come out and speak your truth. We can agree or disagree, but speak it. I,
1: I don't know if that's you going say to help. it
3: and maybe it <laughs> makes it worse. I don't know, but nobody can represent you better than you and I'm on his side. I was on his side, but everything I hear from the Ben Simmons camp doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It makes some sense, but not a whole lot of sense. For example, but that's I put the in problem. The feed. I can make a case. I can make a case for a team building around Ben Simmons and Philadelphia has not done it. They haven't but I'm, I'm saying I can make a case for Ben Simmons as a primary option. But is that what this is? about? Can you? I'm not even sure what it's about a primary option who won't shoot. Oh, I mean, I
1: probably, no, you yes. can't. He can't be yes, a primary can. Yes, option. He can. Yes, sir. no, he can't. No, he yes, can't. Can. Yes, you can't. Yes, can. He can't. I can the make owner the governor of the Warriors just said it. He can't finish games. He's a liability. We're back where we were in game seven. No. That's why, whether clutch is saying it, whether he sources can't. are saying it, if he says it, they're all still full of it. And worse than being full of it, they're full of him. they're full of him. He's full of himself if this is true. And that's my issue. It's like, yo, man, what about your flaws? Somebody that's let me put, tell see, you something, Michael. Saying, this my... is going back to a conversation we had the other day. A Somebody building around Ben Simmons ain't going very far. He ain't that guy. You ain't that guy my guy. He are not going very far if they build around him because of the flaws that is he why, has yet to correct.
3: This is why I disagree with you. And, and, and now just hearing you say that I disagree uh, with, with Ben making it worse. Speaking for himself. You're 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 saying this as if Ben Simmons he definitely feels this way. He might feel this way, but maybe okay, I'm assuming, the, yeah. the, the the yeah yeah maybe the the message has gone left, has gone right. It's just not we're not getting okay. the pure message from Benson. Well, that's the thing, Mike, which is the If it problem. were about
1: feelings, he's got to
3: step if up. If it were now. about
1: feelings, if it were about feelings, if it were about oh no, I feel ostracized or I don't feel welcome here or I, you know, doctor me under the bus, no matter how much he wants to, you know, walk it back or and threw me under the bus or whatever. I just, if that's what it was, Michael, like I said, I think I said this the other day, I could kind of deal with that more. What bothers this bothers right. me even more. It incenses me that this is not about feelings. This is about ego that this is about, wait a minute. I don't you know. want to be the man. It might be well, grow up and fix your game. If you want to be the man
3: was well, he But more than that, I'd say, Mike, let me add to that. You say, grow up and fix your game. I'm going to say, grow up in this sense. We know he's not a brother who will shoot his shot. He really won't (laughs) on the court. He won't shoot his shot, but be a brother who speaks your truth. I don't want to hear from Rich Paul. I don't want to hear from clutch sports. I don't want to hear from sources. I don't want uh, uh, Keith Pompey, love your brother do great work. I don't want to hear from Keith Pop- Pompey. I don't want to hear from Kevin O'Connor. Now, I want to know what does Ben Simmons want from the mouth of Ben Simmons and then we can make a determination. I, I don't but, okay, I don't need to hear or from if the ben. message got mangled.
1: Okay, that's fine. That's fair. You want you want it, you want it straight from the horse's mouth. I don't want to hear of straight, this. Straight up. This straight, disappoints no me. This disappoints me more than you being butthurt. Because this is your judgment is askew, your, your values and your priorities are off, and I'm questioning his why. Doc said he doesn't have a clear answer why. If this is why, if it's because you don't feel like you, you're in the best position to flourish, I got nothing for you, dude. I got nothing, it's indefensible to me. Because you have held them back more than they've held you back.
3: Aren't Full you for time. player empowerment, though? Aren't you for player empowerment? Don't you want uh, to see a player I'm going where he wants thyself. to go? for knowing thyself.
1: Going back to Socrates, know thyself.